welcome to series three of the Gemma's Journey podcast. In the second episode, I talk to director Hannah and playwright Rachel of the F-Bomb Theatre Company. We talk about the challenges that women face in the theatre industry and also what changes need to be made. We also talk about their new and upcoming show, After Party, that is going to be on at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year. note that there is profanities in this podcast and mentions of drinking alcohol. So hello Rachel and Hannah, thank you for joining me on my podcast today. So I guess we should start off by letting you introduce ourselves to the, to the listeners. Yeah, sure. Um, hi, I'm Hannah McEachern. Um, I'm from the States. I'm currently living in Edinburgh, getting my master's in theater directing. And um, Rach, go for it. Yeah, I'm Rachel O'Regan. I'm a playwright and I'm originally from Australia, um, but I'm also living in Edinburgh at the minute. And yeah, I'm getting my master's in playwriting um, at Edinburgh Napier university and yeah we we also live together which is uh interesting <laughs> everyone <laughs> thought we were like crazy and then yeah. it like weirdly worked out <laughs> <laughs> like we don't want like we haven't killed each other yet we might want to but it hasn't <laughs> happened yet <laughs> i love that there was a, a yet in there <laughs> oh absolutely keyword <laughs> we'll see what happens closer to the fringe <laughs> <laughs> So, um, F-Bomb Theatre Company is set to create theatre by women and for women. So can you tell us why that's so important to create theatre for women? Yeah, I think, you know, statistics have shown that in the UK, two thirds of theatre audiences are women. So obviously they want to see those stories represented on stage and I think when you have so many women who are interested in theatre and going to see theatre like why is it not why why is the the money and the the power not being directed towards you know women being able to you know make theatre and and be in control of of those stories um I think you know despite the fact that you know two-thirds of audiences are women that's definitely not reflected um, in the roles that women get um, on stage and it's it's certainly not reflected behind the scenes as as far as I have experienced and I'm sure pretty much every woman who works um, you know backstage in theatre whether it's in directing playwriting um, well a lot of different roles you know mm-hmm. stage management etc mm-hmm. etc um, would definitely agree with that is that you know th- of course there are more women moving into these roles but I don't think it's at a rate that we're happy with um Mm -hmm. even the National Theatre in London their first you know living playwright which they had commissioned for the main stage that happened in 2008 so that you know to me is that just speaks volumes that they that we are not making you know fast enough strides towards um you know achieving equality and representation in theatre and I you know it's 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 crazy to me because I think if theatres were clever about it they would 
probably see that the demographic who are coming to see their shows would probably, um, you know, relate to these stories and, um, you know, support this, this kind of work. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're very lucky that we were able to work with an all-woman company this year, but that's very rare. And anytime that you do see an all-woman company coming up from the ground, like people go and support them. They think it's it's almost a novelty, which is like kind of sad yes. that an all-woman company is a novelty, but everyone's like, oh, we have to go support this all-woman company. If only that happened more, mm -hmm. if only that happened on larger stages, mm -hmm. the, the like people have to do a grassroots movement of all women companies and all women theater, mm -hmm. but it's not really represented on larger stages like the national theater or mm -hmm. even from where I'm from, like on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And I think as well, it's like the kind of people who, sorry, it's it's the sort of judgments that we give value to um, as well. And I think, you know, taking into account that 90% of critics are men, mm. Um, mm. you know, what kind of theatre is, is kind of getting, you know, lauded as like, this is, this is good, this is quality, right. we should make more of this. Um, and like, what is, right. what, we just need to examine the reasons behind like why certain kinds of theatre are being made and, and potentially, you know, examine what, you know, our traditions have been. I think, mm -hmm. you know, there's such a, a a popularity of like Shakespeare, for example. But why? <laughs> why? <laughs> I, I always ask why, because there's so much more out there. There are so many living female playwrights like mm. Rachel, um, like Carol Churchill, like so many other women. Yeah. Um, that Sarah Rule, like people like that who are making interesting theater with like strong female characters. And you're like, why are we not producing that more? But the like the opening season of like a bunch of different um, like UK theaters right now are Hamlet and mm. Macbeth. And like we're coming off of a pandemic right now and you're not even supporting living playwrights no matter what gender they are you yeah. want Shakespeare yeah and out of 981 characters in Shakespeare's plays only 16% are women so you know that's not right. if you're putting on Shakespeare over and over I'm sure you know of course there are right. theatres that are dedicated to that specifically and that's their thing but mm. like across the board if that's the kind of theatre that yeah. you're putting out there does that say that you really you know value, value having yeah. you know strong women's roles on stage and telling women's mm -hmm. stories um so to wrap up our long-winded answer <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's important to have theater that represents women's stories because yeah. the the majority of audiences are women and they have been going to theater that doesn't represent them for the longest time. And you know what, by God, they deserve to have some theater that represents them. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like, God damn it. We have been funding your shit Shakespeare shows forever. <laughs> 
we deserve some good female theater. I, I, I completely agree. So what has your personal experience of the theater industry been like? Because I read on your website, you know, that you're frustrated by the lack of interesting roles for women. Mm. So, you know, what changes need to be made? You know, what, what you know, if you, you know, were at a board and you were talking to people of the theater industry, what would you want to want to change? Well, so that um, what was written on the website is very centered around um, our founders feelings. And obviously we share these feelings as well, but what they were seeing um, in their course. So this is kind of going back to like university days of like, what roles are women being taught acting with? Mm -hmm. Um, Like what roles are they being given to give them their formative training in the craft of acting. They are uh, wives, they are daughters, they girlfriends. are girlfriends, they are- Manic pixie dream girls. And, <laughs> right, and they are only just, their existence is justified by men. Mm-hmm. And like, what's so sad too is that the, like, the majority of actors in university programs are women, but the roles that they're being given in order to train in the craft of acting are bullshit. They're literally given roles where their existence has to be justified by a a man that is present, which is why they're very uh, frustrated. (laughs) I mean, rightfully so. And it happens across the board in in any country where there are acting programs. It happens... um, it happened at my university. It happened at other universities where female roles are like just they're being given female roles that are old. They're old news. It's Chekhov. It's Brecht. It's Shakespeare. And all of those female roles are all justified by the presence of a man. And when the majority of women in acting or the majority of acting program students are women they need to be given roles that actually fucking matter like that actually give them some substance um oh what is that rule called in the movies oh um (laughs) you know what I'm talking about yes yeah so Um, it's like it starts with a b I think isn't mm. sorry, Jamal. <laughs> yeah, we're we're trying our best. Um, it's like this rule of like if there's it has it has to have two women talking about something other than a man for like more than five minutes. Yeah. yeah. And that's almost never present in so much like old theater, yeah, which is what's being used to teach the craft of acting. Mm-hmm. I've lost you. Hello. You you writing because, well, because what else is there for them? It was so hard for them to find something that was a cast of five women where each role, you know, had some meat to it. And you know, we we scoured and didn't have any men in it. The only Mm -hmm. like the only plays that or the only play that we actually found because in our course they have to um, present two pieces for the um, 
like the backers audition. So they had to present Rachel's piece and another one. And the only piece that I could find for them that I could direct them in that didn't have any other man in the show was the vagina monologues. (sighs) I shit you not. I was like, there was, um, there was one show that only had one guy in it. And he was like, interspersed throughout it was like five women wearing the same dress Mm -hmm. um but of course there were conversations about um husbands and bartenders that they thought were cute and like just like frivolous shit about guys so Mm -hmm. I'm like you know what we're gonna like just do 10 a 10 minute cut of the vagina monologues (laughs) and it'll be great (laughs) yeah (laughs) As well, that the rule is called the, the Bechdel test. Or the Bechdel is it, test. Is it yeah. Bechdel? Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. That's I was gonna say that, but then I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, the Bechdel test, it, it basically just like uh tells you whether or not something has value as a like piece of it's feminist art. It, uh, <laughs> reaches the bare minimum of yeah, literally, representation, <laughs> literally the bare minimum. Yeah. Um, And it's hard to find that, especially in theater. I mean, TV and film has definitely come a long way, but I think that theater has a a really long way to go in terms of not just giving women's roles, but giving women's stories Mm. um, a a fighting chance. Yeah, yeah. So obviously you're on my podcast today to talk about After Party. So tell us all about what the show is about, the inspiration behind it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh my God. Um, do you know what? I always like, I, I just can't even. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> she gets nervous. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, I am a playwright, but I can't, I can't speak about my own show. Um, <laughs> um, so Art Party is about five teenage girls who have just finished school and, um, you know, they're sort of entering that really exciting period of, of their life where they don't really know what's going to happen next for them. And they're sort of, they have that excitement and that nervousness and that, that fear of like what the future holds. Um, and yeah, they, the, the premise is that they're going out for like a, a crazy night out to sort of um, mark the end of their exams. And then uh, things- it Gets things, them in a little trouble. It gets them in a bit of trouble. Um, yeah. yeah, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's really an interesting show for, for me at least because it, it's one, it's a comedy, which mm-hmm. I, I love. Um, mm-hmm. And also I've never written like a straight, comedy before like I've usually tended towards black comedy or like Mm. drama and even though this does Mm -hmm. have um drama drama in it it is um quite silly at times and you know like (laughs) the characters are are quite out there Mm -hmm. um and it also explores like a lot of issues I like quite close to to my heart which is around you know like privilege and um, class issues and mm-hmm. um, you know like the the kind of opportunities that are afforded to people who you know don't have a lot of money and don't have a lot of connections and um, yeah especially if you're a woman if you're a working class woman I think mm-hmm. like entering you know society after high school you know that is a, such a difficult transition to mm-hmm. make and um, mm-hmm. and yet those kinds of women I think are kind of unfairly demonized by the media Mm. so it's sort of giving 
back that that story to them and being able to like yeah I guess that it is a it is a comedy but the, mm. they're sort of in control of, of the jokes um rather yeah. than you know laughing. yeah we're laughing with them mm. not like at them yeah. um yeah. Rach does this really brilliant thing where she gives you um comedy to make these issues palatable I think in so many different plays you you either get all the drama or you're just laughing your ass off and it doesn't really mean anything but Rach really blends those two things together where we are making issues palatable so that yes you are laughing but you are also learning something and you're getting this different perspective from working class women who are literally just trying to figure their lives out um and it's being told in such a heart like heartwarming and heartbreaking way she blends the lines of comedy and drama so well so that the audience doesn't leave going well that was depressing <laughs> they leave going wow that was really funny but holy crap, like, we really need to do something about this socioeconomic wage gap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that's basically it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. If you don't leave thinking that, then, like, I, yeah. then I don't know what you watch. It also <laughs> has, like, 90s music. Yeah, it has, yeah, it has, pink. like, 80s music we're throwing olivia rodrigo in there mm -hmm. we're we're just like making it fun and and yeah. crazy yeah so after party is going to go to the edinburgh fringe festival is yeah. this going to be your first time at the festival and performing the the piece as well um yeah so neither of us have been to the fringe a couple of the actors have been in fringe shows before which mm -hmm. is great that they've mm -hmm. um, been able to have that experience and bring that to this piece um but neither of us have been before um i think for for us choosing our master's program this is a part of our thesis um and this actually like the opportunity to be in the fringe was something that drew us to this program specifically mm -hmm. um but it is our first time and it is the first time that after party will be debuted we've only been working on it for the past year or so the mm -hmm. idea maybe hatched last oh, summer yeah july august about i would say yeah maybe yeah. even Ju even spring yeah but, but we we didn't start writing it until september. september yeah um yeah so it's been being written and drafted and redrafted and redrafted and redrafted <laughs> i'm still being redrafted um, to be honest <laughs> yeah which is great it's yeah. it is a it's been a labor of love for both of us. Mm -hmm. This this uh, living room that we're sitting in right now has been the host of many a dramaturgy session for <laughs> us for the script. Um, we yeah. definitely got really lucky that we were able to live together and work on this script this script together because it it honestly like it made it so much easier and so much more fun. Mm -hmm. um, it's really great when you're able to work with another creative just in person and especially during the pandemic that's been really hard so being able to work together in the same living space has has been really special with this um piece 
yeah, I was just going to ask that, you know, how's it been like trying to you know, make a piece of theatre and get everything organised for the Fringe Festival during a pandemic? So obviously the Fringe Festivals had to adapt, you know, both being online and a physical face-to-face show. So how's it all, mm. all been? Oh, Gemma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, girl, if, <laughs> if I told you, you just would not believe me. Um, it, we're basically putting out a fire related to the pandemic or otherwise mm-hmm. every single week if not every single day it is truly emotionally exhausting however mm-hmm. we know that on august 8th when we put this show up and it goes smashingly that it'll all have been worth it yeah i think <laughs> strangely enough it's kind of good timing because mm-hmm. we we missed the fringe last year there yeah. wasn't a fringe so people mm-hmm. are hungry to see Mm. new theater yeah. house like yeah people are excited for it and like we're excited the cast mm-hmm. is excited mm. and I'm excited I think I think the great thing about our take show a shot is- every time Rachel said excited <laughs> if you're <laughs> listening to this do it it'll be great mm. shot of choice every time mm. Rachel says excited <laughs> and every time I swear you'll be drunk <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a taster of what our party's really like but I think think the great thing about like our show is that it is quite fringy and we Mm. have really just built it from the ground up like even going from our social media and like taking our post image we did in like a classroom with oh my god as the lights you know literally like we had a computer and an iphone as a light for our like poster our we had our actor like lay down on the floor in a tiny little classroom (laughs) It was just like a little room. It was almost like a storage closet. Like it might as well have been, honestly. And we were just like blasting Ariana Grande. Like just we had a great time. That's basically if you want like a little snippet of what making theater on a shoestring budget Mm -hmm. at a uni during During a pandemic pandemic. is, it's that. It's that experience right there. Yeah. Yeah. but absolutely exhausting oh <laughs> yeah seriously but okay. we but we are so grateful that we are able to show this in person that we are able to go ahead with it mm-hmm. I mean from every single zoom rehearsal that we were doing when we were all on different time zones mm-hmm. to now it's been such an incredible journey and I know that every single one of us has grown stronger and better because of it mm-hmm. yeah yeah. So where can people see the after party at the Fringe Festival? And, um, you know, can they book tickets? Is it, is it sold out now or can people still go and book tickets for it? It's currently sold out. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. I know it sold out in like, what was it, two days? Oh, my God. Days? Like a couple days. Yeah. yeah, it I tried to get tickets for my parents who are coming from the States solely to see this show. And we almost couldn't get them for them. Um, on the day after tickets went live. Um, but yeah, it is going to be at venue 38, the space triplex in the Jenner theater. Um, and it is going to be August 8th through 28th, even dates. We start at 4.50 p.m. and it's um, an hour long. So yeah, it's an hour long, maybe an hour and five. Who's to say? Um, <laughs> that's ooh. Um, but tickets, depending on 
restrictions lifting, tickets may become available. So definitely follow at FBOM Theater on Instagram and Twitter mm-hmm. if you like to be able to see when those go yeah. live. We, we have had a rumor that there will be more tickets released. We just don't know when. When, yeah. So yes, as soon as yeah. they're released, like, we, you we're just blasting have, it. You just have to run because honestly, last time they sold out so quickly. And oh my it's God. It's going to happen again, I'm sure. Yeah, we're that popular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember, you know, I've, you know, I've performed at the Fringe Festival myself and, you know, I've worked mm. at venues and been an audience member. And I can remember sort of like waiting outside you know, ticket officers just to get, you know, get a ticket that I really want to see because I know it's so, so popular. So yeah, definitely yeah. the more tickets, people who are listening, make sure you get it. <laughs> yeah, we will post right away. We'll be like, go get them. As, yeah. as soon as it goes up, honestly. <laughs> yeah, because there are so many people that just couldn't get tickets. So we Absolutely. know that. People we, messaging yeah. us like, can we still get tickets? I, I feel like my heart breaks. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like we don't, we can't. I'm so sorry. We're just too popular. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, it's so crazy. Like thinking about that, like this is a uni production and we have not been treating it like that. So we do feel like all of our hard work has really paid off to like get the show. Five pounds and a dream. (laughs) (laughs) And a shot of like velvet di Sirono. Yeah. (laughs) Many um, sleepless nights. And Diet Coke. Yeah. That's that's Rachel's process. <laughs> we're very proud and we're very, very grateful to have this amount of um, just, you know, immediate gratification and um, success so far. definitely and I mean I said to Rachel when I was organizing this podcast I didn't even know that the Fringe Festival was back you know it wasn't for Rachel's tweet that you do an after party I was like the Fringe Festival it's actually on so you know it wasn't it wasn't because of you you know because of you and FBOM I thought oh I didn't even know the festival was going was going ahead so you know it's fantastic that you guys you know you're clearly really good at marketing and promoting the show you know the fact that I saw on social media and the fact that you know you're sold out now you know I think it's you know you know, hopefully, of course, it's going to be a fantastic, you know, experience for both of you. And um, where can people go if you've got a website or anything like that, or any of the social medias, if people want to go and check um, check you out on online? Yeah, you can you can check us out on fbomtheatre.co.uk or at fbomtheatre on all of our social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Fabulous. Well, thank you for so much for joining me on my podcast today. It's been a real energy boost for me today, and I'm so excited for you to experience the Fringe. I hope you've inspired, and I know you've inspired me, so I hope you've definitely inspired some of our, our listeners. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's been lovely talking to you. Yeah, thank you, Gemma. Fabulous. Thank you so much for listening to Gemma's Journey podcast. For more information, you can of course visit my blog. I'm journalgemmahurst.com or I'm Gemma underscore journey on social media. Don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast. Thanks for listening.